What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I am your host, Evan Rothstein. We are back with Startup Sutras with my co-host, Yosh Eisbart. Yosh, what up? What's happening, Evan? Today, we have a very special guest, the CEO of the Colorado-based company, EverCommerce. Of course, I'm talking about Eric Reamer. Eric, welcome to the podcast. How you doing, Evan? How you doing, Yosh? Good, uh, good to talk to you guys. You are our first guest who I, I will call that's like on the other side. You are still a startup junkie and a startup guru, but you've gone public. So now with your sagacity and wisdom, you can uh, lay down some serious uh, predictions and advice for the people that are in Yosha's stage. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got there, whatever commerce is and what you're doing now. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, thank you. Uh, you know, the, as a, I hope we're not disappointing too many people with uh, the, the, the intro you gave in terms of the, the wisdom and advice, but I've been doing this for quite some time. I've, uh, I've started four companies along the way and this recent company, um, I started uh, kind of the predecessor to EverCommerce. I started in 2006. I started a company called PaySimple. Um, really nice company, SaaS platform focused on helping service-based SMBs really kind of, you know, build, grow and, and manage their businesses more effectively. And, and during that time, while I was growing that business, what I saw was like every startup company, you talk to your customers. And as I was talking to my customers, what I realized was, you know, the needs of the service-based businesses we were serving um, were changing. They were becoming more verticalized, even more micro-verticalized. So at PaySimple, we're really a horizontal platform focused on helping, you know, businesses across a lot of verticals. But we were really missing some kind of key functionality as things become more verticalized. So if I had a thousand field service contractors and I wanted 5,000, 10,000, think of plumbers, electrician, um, we didn't have the workflow. I didn't have dispatching or inventory management in the softwares that we were providing them. So, you know, as I looked deeper into the verticals that we were, we were looking at, what I saw was a bunch of fragmentation and a bunch of point solutions and nobody was really bringing it together. So that's really why we started EverCommerce. You know, to create an end-to-end -end platform focused on helping service SMBs, you know, connect the dots and be able to create, you know, better end-to-end -end solutions so they can be more successful. You fast forward to today, we've really created the largest service commerce platform in the world, serve the needs of over half a million businesses around the globe. All right. Well, that's incredible. And I want to unpack it a little bit. How did, when you identify sort of this need that, you, that you're talking about, what, what do you do? Uh, in sort of the first planning steps? Do you hire people? Do you do programming? Like, well, how do you go about attacking the problem once you've identified it? Well, you know, the first thing you'd look internally and say, okay, there's a need. Um, what part of that need are we currently serving? Where are the gaps in our solutions? Where are the gaps, you know, in our ability to, ultimately it's how do you provide the most value to the customer? You know, where, where are the gaps in providing that value? And where I was seeing was, I call it the digitization of the service economy. We, we, I was watching this happen real time. And as that was happening, the needs of these businesses to become more digitized were becoming more specialized. And so as we looked at our business, getting more specific, we saw gaps in our technology. We saw gaps in our workflows that we just couldn't provide to the end user. So then we stepped back and said, okay, what are the, what are the potential um, solutions to solving these problems, to providing more value to these customers. You know, you can build more software. Um, that's one solution. You know, you can go acquire companies that have already done that. 
and kind of consolidate them together. That's another solution. And, or you can decide that you're just going to be a piece of the puzzle and not the whole puzzle. And so uh, we decided really uh, with a combination of both building software and a heavy focus on M&A, that that was going to be the way we were going to attack um, the kind of service economy in a much broader base. Because when you're building things, you can build anything. And we did, we, we're building software every single day. We have hundreds of developers building amazing software. But if you want to go into new markets quickly, it's not just building software. You could build an amazing platform, but it takes a year or two to get your you know, customer complaints and all the calls in from customer service to realize what you missed and what, what you're not getting. And the workflows, uh, the real workflows of these businesses you know, take time to truly understand. So the vision that we had was if we utilized uh, acquisitions you know, um, to complement our organic growth and really bring it under one umbrella, we would have the end software solutions providing the specific needs and specific verticals, and then overlay that with things that everybody needs, payments, marketing services, customer engagement, but making sure that the end software they utilize was built specifically, purposely built for that end customer. So the plumber gets what he needs, the landscaper gets what they need, uh, the doctor's office get what they need. So all you think of all the service categories, you know, even within the same kind of sub-vertical called home field services, the alarm business and the landscaper, they actually need different things. Uh, forget about the doctor or the gym or the lawyer that, you know, they need very different things, but even within the same sub-verticals. And so we really looked at the marketplace. We saw the gaps. Uh, we also saw the fragmentation. And so the vision was, let's use M&A as a tool to quickly consolidate a very fragmented marketplace and we went out to market, found a partner who believed in our strategy, uh, backed us, uh, you know, um, economically, uh, took a large piece, a majority stake in my original company, uh, then backed us to go out and acquire companies. And as I said, you know, fast forward over the last five years, we've acquired 52 companies uh, over three major verticals, home field services, health services, and fitness and wellness. You know, like, and we have, you know, approximately quarter million, you know, contractors, over 70,000 physicians, and over 40,000 locations in the, in the fitness and wellness, utilizing one or more of our software solutions. So I, I had done some research on this growth through M&A, which is a topic that Yosh and I have actually covered before on this podcast. I, 52 is even larger than the number that I saw. How were you able to integrate that many companies and obviously the human capital that you're acquiring with those companies, how do you, how do you bring them in and integrate them and make them part of the, the culture that you were building? Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at integration means a bunch of things, you, you know, from a technical standpoint, from a human capital standpoint, our, our focus is, you know, from a technical standpoint, we leave the solutions that are providing specific end value alone. So we're not going to integrate, the alarm software, the landscaping software makes no sense. So that we call those system of actions. We leave the system of actions independent as technologies, continue to develop them with the core developers that people were, were at the company. And then we integrate, where we technically integrate is via APIs into more of the horizontal tools. Think of the payment solutions, uh, think of marketing technology, think of customer engagement. So all the system of actions stand alone because they need to. The plumber doesn't need the you know, the medical office functionality, it wouldn't make any sense. So we leave those separate, but then we use a common code base um, on, on the uh, um, horizontal tools and integrate those via APIs 
into the uh, um, solutions. And so that's how we technically integrate. And it allows us to kind of scale really quickly and have the best solutions uh, focused on the, the specific verticals we're in and provide the most value. From a people standpoint, you know, that we've gotten really good. I mean, we consolidate, we run this business as a centralized operating platform. So, you know, the obvious stuff is, is you know, you consolidate, you know, legal, accounting, finance, HR, that, that's easy. But we actually centralize marketing, we centralize operations, we centralize technology from a roadmap perspective, we centralize technology from an uh, infrastructure standpoint. So we're actually running one centralized EverCommerce um, with, we think of them as different products. So we have many different product lines, but one centralized operating platform um, managing the, regardless of where the companies are. And so from an onboarding you know, standpoint, when we, when we acquire a company, we onboard them onto our you know, HR platforms and our systems and, you know, and we treat them with the same love and respect we would give them if they applied for a job in Denver. You know, they, they're now an employee of EverCommerce and we're gonna give them kind of the, the same opportunities of growth, the same benefits, the same validation as human beings. And, and yet we wanna make sure we are conscious of the fact that they took a job in Toronto or they took a job in, you know, in upstate New York working for a different business and you know what was what? Why they take that job? What was there that we want to maintain? What part of that culture we want to we want to enhance? So our view is: How do we enhance the experience? How do we make it even better? How do we provide better benefits, better opportunities, better growth? Uh, so the transition is not only like um, okay, but it actually becomes a real net positive. And we're now, I think, I, I we're growing fast, but we're, I think we're over two thousand employees worldwide. Um, and it, you know, continues to scale again, both organically um, and inorganically. That's amazing. And, you know, while many of our listeners uh, uh, want to hear about the IPO and congratulations on that, uh, ain't going to talk about it here. Um, one thing that's super fascinating to me, and, and you mentioned how you're building this platform and this infrastructure almost as a, an aggregator of, of like-minded businesses um, in terms of the companies that you're looking at, uh, from a leadership perspective, leadership is something we talk a bunch here on, on, on the Startup Sutures with, with TMT time. What are some of the, the attributes that you're looking at for the founders or the leaders or the, the C-suite uh, of companies that you're looking to bring into the portfolio? You know, it's, it's a great question because everyone has, you know, there's there's not hundreds. There's many different leadership qualities or styles that could be successful based on someone's own, you know, personal, um, you know, the way they do business. But the one thing that is kind of core to the companies we buy is, you know, we buy companies that are led by uh, leaders. At least, you know, prior to we bought them, if they maintain, if they stay or not, is 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 really kind of a, a post deal discussion what their needs are. But you know, prior to buying them. They're high integrity people. These are people that have built companies that uh, their employees trust them. Uh, they 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 believe in them, and they've built a company based on a kind of a, a general feel for they they treat human beings with high level of respect, and they have a high level of integrity. So we don't want to buy companies that all of a sudden we bring on our platform and it's just a shit show, and the people don't want to be there, and they. They weren't happy before, and uh, it, it's just a mess. Not operationally. I mean, look, every company. I don't care if you're a new startup or you're GE. You got operational. You, you have things, operational efficiencies you can do better. It doesn't matter what scale of business. So it's not like you know companies are 
better or worse based on size, there's definitely opportunities to you know, help create efficiencies. But the underlying thing that we look for in these organizations is you know, we're working with management or that are genuinely good human beings. They're, they're good people. Uh, they have a high level of integrity. And you know, again, I don't care if you've built a $3 million business or, or you know, a half billion dollar business. When you build something that didn't exist before you created it, it's freaking hard. And I have a lot of uh, admiration and respect for the entrepreneurs that have built these businesses to a scale and a level that it may be time for us to help them get to the next level. And we have an infrastructure, we have resources, we have tools, we have general management, um, but they created something that didn't exist before. And so, you know, that mutual respect, because I've done that four times over, um, allows me to connect with these guys in a way that, you know, I kind of say, you know, I've been able to, when we buy 52 companies, I've been able to kind of go through the kind of excitement and positive energy 52 times. I've got to share in the, probably the best moment, best professional moment of somebody's life 52 times in the last five years. And that's awesome. That is one of the most fun things I've been able, able to do is share that experience with them because to them, it's the first time, even though it's could be my 50th with buying companies, as an entrepreneur, I get it. And I get what they're going through. <clears throat> I get the sacrifices they've made. I get the um, the dark days when it didn't look like there was ever going to be something. I get when the money was almost out. I get the whole journey because I've gone through it, you know, many many times. And and so when I get to share in that that excitement, that energy, that life changing moment um, for that founder, CEO, um, or that management team, it's really freaking cool. That has been one of the most fun parts of this this kind of journey that I've done in the last five years. That that is. Sounds awesome, Eric. What and I will one of the things that you exude to me, at least in terms of your leadership style, and something that I bang on all the time is sort of leading with empathy. Um, and I've taken note of the number of times that you have said that all of these people that you're acquiring and bringing in are human beings and you're understanding their needs. As the lawyer of this, of this group, uh, by the way, who I heard you say you consolidate the first group that you consolidate. Uh, I don't know what that says about about us, but I will let that one slide. Um, the the generation of leaders that at least the ocean I've had on here, um, and especially you, Eric, and talking about you know what I call leading with empathy, seems to me to be different um, and more in touch with their employees as human beings and having a passion for what they're doing and not sort of the stodgy old corporate America where you're in it for the last dollar. Do you agree with that? Do you think that there's something different about our generation and the generations below us that people have more passion and have more understanding about their teams and who they're working with and who they are as other human beings? Yeah, I think it's changing a lot. I mean, it's it, to me, it feels like so second nature because you know I've been doing this for quite some time and I can't imagine leading a business another way. But shockingly, it's it's still probably not the norm. I think the norm is still the old way of doing things, which when I run into those companies, I'm like, really? This is what you're doing? But I, I don't think people have a choice anymore. I think the the job market is so competitive. The 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 talent the the world we live in with so many talented you know workers, they have a lot of choices. And if you don't provide them an environment that they feel supported, again, first and foremost as human beings, and then equally as professionals, and give them the platform to grow both as people and professionals and, and you know, validate them and, and, and provide them the resources to be successful to go somewhere else, you know? And, and, and by the way, we have to do a better job. Like, you know, we've grown so fast. There's so many things that we can do better as an organization 
to improve our ability to attract and retain employees, but more importantly, just make while they're to, while they're with us, just a better experience. You know, it's just create a better experience for the people that are on our platform. So whether they're with us a week, a month, a year, or you know, five years, whenever they leave, they leave better than they came. You know, we provided them something from a from a leadership standpoint, from a platform standpoint, from a growth standpoint, that they could hopefully take part of that vibration to wherever they go and vice versa. My hope is that they left us better than we were before as well. So it's that mutual relationship that you look at from an employee, um, you know, team member and, you know, uh, organization standpoint that, you know, I want to create a platform that people want to come to work every day and be excited. And I hope they want to work really hard that I want them to come back tomorrow. Right. And that, that kind of relationship is, is mutual. And, and the onus is on, on myself and my team to create those environments that allow people to be successful because when people are successful, they feel good about themselves. When people have the, the opportunity to succeed because you put them in positions to succeed, that's, that's a great feeling. And when you're growing really fast, you're going to get people to be like, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. I really liked when we were eight people. That's cool. We're not eight people anymore. We're 2000. So the company's changed and it's not for everybody. And that's cool too. There's not a right or wrong. There's not a better or worse. All we can do is be congruent with who we are, be very clean with our intentions, what we're trying to put out into the, into the world. And whatever comes back to us is going to hopefully be the right energy and the right vibration that people want to be at our organization. Yeah, absolutely. Giddy up. I mean, I, I had the, you know, Eric, you and I've got, got a, um, a friendship. Uh, and so I don't know on the professional side, um, kind of how you run, but I can see how you operate uh, behind the scenes or from an, from an interpersonal perspective. And I, I'd, I'd like to kind of dig in a little bit deeper more on kind of the empathy and the EQ and less about the business. Cause I find it um, with you definitely uh, more interesting in regards to how how you live this because leadership is about um, emulating and, and modeling and, and less about talk because a lot of leaders do talk this but they don't necessarily walk it. How do you model this and and mo- most specifically within your your peer network are, are there certain aspects where you find support? to help you become a better person, which in turn uh, helps you become a better leader? Yeah, there's there a lot a lot there. Um, and so I'll try to kind of uh, unpack. Yeah, thank you for the question, Yoshi. A lot to kind of go over with that. And I mean, look, first and foremost, I, I need to continue to grow. Like, you know, I need to continue to work on myself, again, personally, professionally, to be able to lead, you know, an organization. If I don't, if I stop growing, if I become static, well, then I can't lead us to where we're going to go, and I can't provide uh, the, the right kind of vision and platform. And so, you know, it starts with myself. You know, how do I um, work on my own growth? You know, what do I need to do? Who do I need to surround myself uh, to kind of continue to push myself to the next level? And for me, that that is a combination of a lot of things. You know, I you know I have a I'm a big believer in having external coaching. Like I have a kind of a, um, a coach that I work with and I meet with him weekly and he's amazing. He f- sees the blind spots that I have. And, you know, we all are kind of get into our own ruts and just pushes me to kind of, you know, go beyond where I am in this moment, because I have to, you can't grow from, you know, 
you can't you can't grow from you know 80 people to 2000 people in you know you know 6 years and not grow yourself because you'll break or the company will break one of the two so that's a big one for me having somebody who is you know really good at this knows me well knows where we're, we're trying to go as an organization and is able to push me uh, you know and and be accountable for my own personal growth you know and secondly you know i try to surround myself with really smart people i have an amazing board of directors that I've, you know, proactively recruited, and um, my investors and my board of directors, uh, you know, they they become they become mentors, uh, you know, confidants, and and genuinely, you know, good friends. You know, so we all know our roles at the table, and you have to have a lot of respect for what they're trying to accomplish. But I've been very fortunate. I have, you know, you know, world class investors with you know, Providence Strategic Growth and and Silver Lake Partners that have been there and done things that I've never done before. And so being willing and open to listen and learn where I don't know things um, has been very helpful. Uh, I have a board of directors of external board members that are just amazing people, the people that have, again, done things that I haven't done before and have experienced that I don't have. And so, you know, be surrounding yourself with people that um, you can learn from and being willing and open to learning from them is absolutely huge. And the last piece of that is, you know, the peer networks, I think you touched on, you know, I've been a member of uh, um, an organization for the past seven plus years. And, and to be quite honest, I'm not deeply engaged, not because I don't think it's a good organization. It's just, you know, the, the scheduling of my time just doesn't work out as much with uh, um, with my kids and, and, and being a, a single dad. So I'm not able to join as many events as I'd like. But what the organization's done for me is surrounded me with other um you know, like-minded business professionals that have become both personal close friends, but also, you know, are building businesses and have gone through a lot of shit. I mean, businesses, everyone, everyone, you know, what, what, what I get frustrated when people talk about businesses and success and they look at the companies that have reached a high level of success and they're like, wow, that's great. You know, they're doing, they're doing amazing. And, you know, let's increase, you know, it's, you know, I don't care about paying tax. It's not about the tax, but it's like, it's somehow you're bad if you have success or somehow that you've reached a level and now all of a sudden you've turned the corner and you're, you're this like, you know, you've done something wrong as your, as your scale has grown. And people don't realize to reach the level of scale at any level of entrepreneurship, you have sacrificed time with your family. You have put your personal financial at risk. You've potentially been close to bankruptcy. You might've gone bankrupt. You've you know, you know, financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you've put yourself to the freaking ringer, you know, and it's really hard and it's hard to get to a certain place in time. So when you get there, it should be more celebrated of what you can give back, not what you've, you know, where you are now and now you're somehow taking from society. And because in my view is, I mean, you know, the entrepreneurs who build something, they're making the pie bigger. They're not taking from the pie. And so, how do we support more entrepreneurship, not just the early stage? It's fun to say, great, look at those early stage companies, go guys. But even as companies scale, you know, it should be celebrated differently in terms of now the platform's bigger. They could have even a bigger opportunity to provide more value to their communities, to their employees, um, to their customers, because they have more resources, more scale. And I feel like people forget that that journey wasn't as straight into the right. And up into the right, it was it was hard, and 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 surrounding yourself with people that allow you to kind of have those um, 
places to vent, um, you know, cry, you know, whatever the hell you need to do in those moments of time uh, and just deal with the uh, life issues that happen because you don't get there. It, it's, if it was really easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy, it's hard, you know, that, which is why I have so much respect for these, these entrepreneurs, these companies we buy, because I know how hard it is. And, and it's hard to reach any level of um, scale, building something that didn't exist before you created it. So anyway, that, that's a long-winded way of saying, there's no one way, there's a lot of things that I do to support my own growth. Um, and a lot of people I put around myself to help me um, both learn from, grow from, and keep me accountable. Eric, that was the type of uh, rant uh, that makes me want to do more of these podcasts. That was that was awesome. And you know, <laughs> thank you for asking that that question. That if in my profession I asked that question, and a witness went on that answer, I would have lost the case. But in this instance, crushed it. So thanks, Eric. And I know Yoshi, you have a question that you're pining to get in. Our listeners can't see, but Yoshi's like banging the mic real hard because I'm interrupting him. So go ahead, man. No, I just wanted to comment. Um, and how much that resonates. Um, and I think the, the power, just a quick comment, and then the power of peer support uh, is so fundamental um, personally and emotionally that that definitely translates into, you know, professional, uh, professional opportunities. So no, Eric, thanks for, for, for highlighting that. Yeah, Evan, you got a question. Yeah, I, I just appre- I appreciate the transparency and the honesty because, I mean, it's, it's just uh, refreshing to hear both the humility um, that you're you know, willing to learn and wanting to learn, um, but also the confidence to know that you still need to. Um, so what I heard from you is you have a lot of these outlets and you know, peer groups and incredible mentors where you have, you know, Eric, you personally have grown and learned. I'd love to hear how you're able to translate that knowledge down or sideways to your peers and your teammates at Evercommerce and those that you hire to sort of pay it forward and make sure that everyone else also gets to have the type of you know learning and growth that you've been able and fortunate to experience. You know, it, you know, it starts with um, again. I'm a big believer in coaching. We we had a full time coach at, at the company for years that was just worked with all departments and helped them, you know, ind- individually and as groups kind of, uh, um, you know, put out their own growth plans, again, personally, as well as professionally. We've reached a level where that just doesn't make sense, honestly, from an operational standpoint, but uh, most of the core executives either are working with an individual who used to work for our company, or they are um, uh, strongly encouraged to find their own coaches, somebody that works with them. So it's, we don't want to control it. I want them to find someone that they really connect with and that somebody can help them. But that's, a, that's one of the things we do externally, like find somebody out of this world that we're living in that can, they can look at you and find the areas where you could do better and push you from that standpoint. So we're real big believers in supporting that. And, and at the senior levels, we'll, you know, we'll help compensate for that as well. Um, you know, and then from a, a management style, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, we create a, a style of management based on intention. So, you know, we're going to agree to disagree. That's fine. We have different opinions and that's, that's totally cool. But did you come with a conversation with the right intention? Was your intention for the best of the organization, for the best of the individual? And did you come with that, the, that mindset that you're not trying to win or lose the argument, not trying to be right or wrong, but the intention is just to find the right solution. And if that's the case, 
you can ultimately be able to encourage that collective thought process with everyone you're working for. And so part of what I can do at this stage as you continue to grow is start from, from how do I model that behavior? How do I interact with the people that I talk to? How do I interact with the, the leaders? How do I encourage them to lead you know, their people? Now, my job and the way I look at it is I create this, you know, this large kind of boundary per se, but all the leaders in my company, we have a, we have a lot of, we're, we're fairly large now. I have a lot of great leaders and I don't want them to lead like me. I want them to lead like themselves. I want them to bring their own kind of touch on leadership, their own mental way they want to lead in, in, in the, the, their own way that they connect with their people. It's always going to be different. They're not going to lead like me. That would not be a very helpful, healthy company. And so what we want to do is give them the tools, um, you know, the platform, the support to be great leaders in the way that they want to be great leaders. But what holds us all together? Treating people with love, treating people with respect, validating human beings. That is not negotiable. So th there's a few core rules that you got to do in the company. Other than that, you know, we want to give them, you know, the freedom to lead in ways that feel good to them. I want to create a platform. That's what I like to do. I love to create platforms. And by creating platforms, that opportunity for each of our leaders to step into their own leadership qualities, to step into their own uh, mentorship qualities. That's awesome. So they get to grow, they get to grow the people underneath them, and then it just keeps going down the line. And creating platforms uh, sounds like uh, a pillar, both literal and, and figurative, uh, both for you personally and, and professionally. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about mindfulness. Um, I know, Eric, that that's something that you, um, you practice. Um, I'd love to hear, our listeners would love to hear, uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, and kind of how does that manifest in, in your own life? Yeah, I mean, it means a lot of things. I mean, from, from a, uh, um, it's, it starts with yourself. I mean, like we all, we all want to get validation from external world in everything we do, whether that we're doing good or bad, or just that we think we know what the hell we're talking about. But the reality is it's just all about yourself at a core level. And, you know, we're here in this journey to kind of, you know, grow vibrationally and expand ourselves. And, and hopefully if we do a really good job of that, that, that allows us to, you know, um, provide that platform for others to do the same. And so for me, being mindful is, 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 is starts with myself and really in many ways it, it ends with myself because if I really being focused on what I need to do better and I'm worried about my own growth and I'm focused on um, being conscious of how I interact with others, you know, am I, am I, I mean, how many times, forget business, how many times did you, we all have kids, you know, you just lose your shit on your kids. And then you're like, you know what? I could have better that I could have, I could have probably handled that situation better, but in the moment I was freaking pissed and being mindful to me is being aware enough of your own actions to not be perfect all the time because that there's, there's no growth in perfection nor we're going to be perfect anyway, but it's being aware of when you lose your space. It's being mindful when you actually didn't act or interact in an environment the way you wanted to. And so I step back and be like, okay, yeah, I, I clearly could have handled it better. What could have I done? You know, what could have I done to kind of, uh, um, you know, manage the situation better? Because in life, in my opinion, it's going to come around again. If I didn't do good the first time, I promise you, I'll have that same opportunity again relatively soon. So my growth is next time that happens, don't lament about what I did wrong. What can I do going forward? And whether I'm talking to my kid, you know, a team member, um, a board member, a customer, 
we're, we're gonna we're gonna mess up all the time. But how do we improve? How do we grow? How do we learn from those those uh, opportunities? Not even mistakes, just opportunities to push ourselves in a way that we weren't there before. And so, you know, I mean, I have, you know, from a day to day practice, and I have my own, you know, I I meditate every day, and it's it's part of my practice. But it's to me that's just something that gives me my own clarity. Everyone finds it in different ways and finds their own you know, way to connect with themselves so they can, you know, connect with the world more effectively. That has been very effective for, for me. Um, but hopefully I'm doing it, you know, all through the day because I'm hopefully conscious and aware enough where I'm like, you know, yeah, I, I, I sucked in that moment. You know, I could, I, I just didn't do a good job there. I didn't lead well. I didn't speak to the person they want, what I wanted to. I didn't, you know, uh, engage deep enough, whatever it is, it's, it's being conscious enough and being mindful enough to know that we can constantly do better. Uh, so you gave a sneak preview to one of the guests coming up on TMT time is actually my wife and I's parenting coach who espouses the, essentially what you just encapsulated, Eric, which I call leading with empathy, but just having the self-awareness to know uh, and to circle back after you've done something that you may not be proud of, um, like losing your your kids, which I never happened to do, as Yosh knows, um, and as Yosh Yosh may also know because we, we talk about it. Um, so I I appreciate your honesty there. We are over our time, Eric. Um, this has been transformational for me and hopefully for our listeners because this has been some uh, insights that I think are valuable in every walk of life, both in building your company. I would be remiss if we didn't say congrats on the IPO. We we're not going to talk about it, but you're, that's what I meant when I said you were on the other side. Um, and as a follower of LinkedIn and Yosha's also, one of the things that you said in terms of how hard it is to get to where you are and how hard it is to get to any place, a lot of times you see people posting about, I raised this round or we did this public and people don't realize how difficult it is to get to that point. Um, and all the things that people have had to go through. So I appreciate the honesty that you have bestowed upon us and our listeners. We usually end with some kitschy, interesting stuff. Um, so I will just ask you one question, Eric. Um, before we started the podcast, you talked about your paintball trip with your kids. You have kids about my age. Uh, and I told you that I have nearly broken my body and can't do anything. So when, when you are out and about outside of work, um, Eric, what are yeah, you doing? I, I, I spend a lot of time, I'm at a lot of soccer games. Uh, that's that's a, a lot of what I do. I spend in, driving around the state and uh, country with my, uh, my son's uh, soccer, which I actually love. And, you know, I spend, I, I mean, I swim, I work out, you know, and, and try to keep myself healthy between business, health, and my kids. You know, honestly, that's, uh, that, that encapsulates most of, uh, most of my life right now. Awesome. Yosh, any final words? No, thank, thank you, Eric, for, for coming on and, and showing your true self and, and sharing with us. So it's been great. Thank you. Well, thanks, Yosh. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate you guys having me today. Yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks very much.